And moving on to the next segment here, actually, before we begin, though, I would like to do something. I would like to give a shout-out to all the supporters on buymeacoffee.com. There's a link to that in the description box, and if you would like to make a contribution to support this show, as well as some other things that are connected to Black Box Online Radio, like some of the books that will be coming out in the near future, that's right, books plural, as well as the efforts of the Zodiac Killer channels, Serial Killer Z to A podcast, which I'm a part of, you can go over to buymeacoffee.com. My name on that page is BlackBoxNed88, but the easiest way to find it is just by clicking on the link in the description box. And this week's supporters are William Evans 1, Floyd Black 53, The Bible Group, and Stephen Walker, also possibly known as uh, Steve Evans. So, thank you so much to all of you guys. You are absolutely awesome, and I'd like to read your messages here. The first one says, I just had to buy you a coffee because the Bernie Sanders Zodiac connection, which you talked about last week, was so flippin' funny. Thanks, Ned. Hey, much appreciated. The next one is, Hi, Ned. The Bible Group certainly appreciates your hard work and consistency. God bless you and yours. Hey, thank you so much, The Bible Group. God bless. We have Keep Up the Good Work, Please. And the final one, I really appreciate the work you consistently put into BBOR. And that final one was from Stephen Walker. Awesome, you guys. I absolutely love your support. And if anybody does make a contribution in the future to buymeacoffee.com, it is all going to be put in right back into Black Box Online Radio. One more time, the link is in the description box. Back in 2019, I started following the channel Bulldog Mindset here on YouTube. It is hosted by a guy named John Sanmez. And I've even done a couple of responses directly to his material back in the days of the black box that had the pink bubbles on it. And I was listening to one of his episodes recently, and he said something about frauds and scammers that I thought could be heavily relevant to not only the true crime world, but very specifically the Zodiac Killer mystery. Why don't we just have a listen here? I get the point of exposing the frauds when people are truly frauds and they're truly deceiving people. But, you know, doing stuff to assassinate people's character and and stuff like that, it's just it's just mudslinging, right? And a lot of it was just really gossip type of stuff. It wasn't factual evidence, right? When when you show someone factual evidence, okay, this is exactly what what happened, you know, and, and here you go, that's a little different than when you're doing it for the purpose of, okay, this person offended me, this person hurt my feelings and I'm gonna I'm gonna hurt them back or I'm just trying to destroy their character and their reputation uh, without give them a chance to defend themselves so mostly my original video was more directed at people gossiping okay talking bad about people not not truly people that are genuinely trying to call out scams all right now i'm not against calling out scams okay i'm, I'm really am not all right but here's the question i would ask is why why are you doing it all right this is the big thing is most of the people that are calling out quote scams are not doing it for the right reasons, all right? Uh, and they're not doing it the right way. They're not doing it because they want to actually bring the truth to light. Now, I'm not accusing John Anthony. You know, he, he's got his reasons. Uh, you know, I don't always agree with them or, or the methods or, or whatnot or even just doing it. But I, I'm, I'm just saying in general, again, every time I'm talking about this kind of stuff, I'm not talking specifically about a person unless I say that I am. I'm not above talking specifically about a person. But if I do that, it's going to be 
just to to point out specific things, just like I'm doing in this video, right? In this video, I'm responding to what John said. And, so and that goes off on a little bit of a different subject, but I think you can get the idea there that it's perhaps good to call out people who are genuine frauds or scammers if you have sufficient reasons, and not attacking people's character, but rather pointing out how is somebody actually operating a scam. And that video that he was doing there, as you heard, he was not talking about anything in the true crime world. He was talking about another YouTuber named John Anthony, and um, I guess they have some type of dispute. I wasn't even familiar with that. But how does that soundbite there relate to the Zodiac Killer mystery? Because let's not kid ourselves. Lots of people are selling for-profit books and for-profit materials, and I personally believe that several of them are genuine frauds and scammers. I don't mean somebody who has a theory that I disagree with. I mean, in this episode, I've talked about several people who have theories that I disagree with, but maybe they aren't scammers. Maybe they're not trying to lie to people to get their money. So who would be some people who are selling Zodiac books or Zodiac materials? Or even just someone who took the spotlight for a second to get their moment in the sun, their 15 minutes of fame, and they were genuine liars. Of course, perhaps you think that I'm going to call out the case breakers, the people who brought Gary Francis Post forward as his Zodiac suspect. And yes, I do believe that they are scammers, but I've talked about him a lot recently, Gary Post, as well as Dale Julin and the case breakers. So, all of that commentary is found in some of my other episodes here on Black Box Online Radio, and I would invite you to listen to those episodes. But how about a different person named Gary? Gary Stewart. And as you heard in the soundbite, you should, if you're going to call someone a scammer or a fraud, you should have a reason. Gary Stewart is the guy who's behind the book The Most Dangerous Animal of All, who brought Earl Van Best forward as a Zodiac Killer suspect. He was saying that his biological father... Earl Van Best was the Zodiac Killer, and Earl Van Best was a real criminal. He was involved in a nationwide manhunt, and um, what happened was he started preying on this young girl named Judith Chandler, who was 13 years old. He would wait for her to come off the school bus, and then he would take her to Herbert's Sherbert shop, and then his grooming of her into what is actually abuse, I mean, statutory rape and such, was referred to as the Sunday Bride or the Ice Cream Romance. And one of the reporters who popularized this story was Paul Avery. And I have this suspicion that Gary Stewart wanted to write a book about his father because, I mean, he's, he was adopted. He didn't know Earl Van Best growing up. And he wanted to learn about his biological father. And then he found that his biological father was a criminal. Oh, he abducted this girl and they go on the run, and they're going into Mexico, and they're going to Louisiana. They're actually married in the state of Nevada, so they're going all over North America. But he didn't have a way to sell the book, or no one would take fascination in the story, unless he added in a particular Zodiac element and started saying that his father was the Zodiac killer. And if we're going to do a little bit more than just make accusations, the docu-series that was done about Gary Stewart and Earl Van Best pointed out directly that there are certain places where somebody 
along the way must have lied. I mean, they went back to Atascadero State Hospital, where not only, um, well, they, they accuse Earl Van Best of going there, but I'll get to that. Arthur Lee Allen was at Atascadero State Hospital, and Gary Stewart created this whole story of Arthur Lee Allen says that somebody confessed to him at Atascadero State Hospital that he was the Zodiac Killer, and he was proposing that that was his biological father, Earl Van Best. But the docu-crew went back and obtained the records, and Earl Van Best was not at Atascadero State Hospital, and also, when they looked at the copies of the records that should have been in possession uh, by Gary Stewart, the words Atascadero State Hospital weren't even there, yet the copies that Gary Stewart had said Atascadero State Hospital. Somebody had written that on there. Someone had intentionally fabricated the evidence to make it look like Earl Van Best was somewhere where he wasn't. I mean, that would be an example of someone genuinely trying to deceive people by committing some type of fraudulent behavior. It's not just, um, well, I think it's a wild story. No, they may have caught someone somewhere trying to cheat. And their conclusion was that it wasn't Susan Mustafa, the co-writer. It wasn't Michael Wachtel, the handwriting expert. It was Gary Stewart himself. And I trust Susan Mustafa, the co-writer of The Most Dangerous Animal of All. I trust her as much as I can throw her. I hope that sentence came out clearly. I, I wanted to be clear who Susan Mustafa was. Yeah, I don't trust her at all. I, I mean, she is, she put on a performance in that documentary. I want to be clear that I do not think that she has any credibility because she was the liaison between Gary Stewart and Michael Wachtel, who wrote the companion piece to The Most Dangerous Animal of All called The End of the uh, Zodiac Mystery, or whatever that crap was, when he said that he had uh, confirmed that Earl Van Best's handwriting was that of the Zodiac Killer by looking at his marriage certificate to Judith Chandler, then quickly said, oh yeah, well, except for the fact that Earl Van Best didn't write it, the uh, pastor at the wedding chapel did. So then they came up with the story, well, the pastor wrote the letters and Earl Van Best committed the murders. They got caught. I also trust Michael Wachtel as far as I can throw him. See, I said it better that time. But that was most likely a grift, most likely done for profit, and perhaps it started with noble intentions. Because one thing that I was so horribly surprised about was when I would be very critical of Earl Van Best and Gary Stewart, other people would call me out. They're like, did you read the book? Look at all the evidence they compiled. And I was like, yes, I read the book. I did an eight-part book discussion here on Black Box Online Radio. And I openly beg people, do not buy that book, The Most Dangerous Animal of All by Gary Stewart and Susan Mustafa, because it has nothing to do with the Zodiac Killer mystery. Twenty-four chapters into the book before the Zodiac is even mentioned, and then the final chapters at the end are just paraphrasing um, paraphrases of the police reports. And that's what it is. It's just very bland general statements. And Susan Mustafa openly admitted this in the FX special. She said that they took the police reports and they paraphrased them. So, I mean, that's just kind of shoddy workmanship on her part. But Gary Stewart is most likely an absolute fraud. Now, another example of someone whom I believe would have genuinely lied to try and participate in the Zodiac Killer mystery, or 
to try to work up some type of for-profit rift would be Dennis Kaufman, the person who brought Jack Torrance forward as the Zodiac Killer. And even if you were to go on Wikipedia back in the day, you would find something about Dennis Kaufman. Like, I'm talking about the Zodiac Killer's Wikipedia. If you were to just read about um, Jack Torrance, Wikipedia had this section on the Zodiac Killer's official Wikipedia page about, okay, this guy named Dennis Kaufman came forward and he said his stepfather, Jack Torrance, was the Zodiac Killer, that he found the Lake Berryessa hood in a piece of audio equipment. He found a bloody knife. But then, when he tried to substantiate his claims, he also said that Jack Torrance photographed some of the crime scenes, and then Dennis Kaufman revealed the photos, and they were just difficult to see, blurry images that no one could truly make out. I think that says everything about his credibility, because if he actually had photos of the crime scenes, he could have shared them. If he just had a blurry image, he should have known that that was just a blurry image that no one could possibly interpret. So I think that that is just another example of someone who blatantly lied. And I don't always agree with Tom Voigt. But when I did the debunking episode on Jack Torrance as a Zodiac Killer suspect, which you can hear in my debunked playlist on this channel, Tom Voigt wrote in and responded by saying, Jack Torrance was a for-profit money grab by a crackhead named Dennis. End of story. I mean, yes. Yes, and I know that's not exciting. Some people might not even find that entertaining. But we got this guy, Dennis Kaufman, saying, Hey, I found the Lake Berryessa costume. Number one, the reasons why that's almost deliberately a fake is the costume that was provided by Dennis Kaufman was extremely flat. It didn't have any of that type of four-corner thing on the top of the Zodiac set, and also, more importantly, the Zodiac symbol was drawn on, as opposed to being sewn on. Brian Hartnell, the surviving victim who actually saw the Lake Berryessa costume, said very clearly it was sewn on, and also, he said that the symbol was white, and the one that Dennis Kaufman provided was yellow, so he has this yellow symbol that he probably drew on with a crayon, you know, one of those Crayola 64 colors thing, probably pulled out something like Goldenrod, and drew a circle with a cross in it on a piece of black fabric, and it was all engineered. I mean, I genuinely do believe that, and I've been trying to give some supporting reasons, but if we're going to talk about the Wikipedia page, there was another woman, shockingly, that made her way onto there, and that was none other than Deborah Perez, who called out her, well, I guess I shouldn't say called out, she accused her adoptive father, Guy Ward Hendrickson, of being the Zodiac Killer. Is she a genuine fraud? I'm going to vote no, because there was a lot of contrast. Boy, there was this one true crime writer named Elton William Phelps who knew Deborah Perez, and he said, people gotta understand, she genuinely believes her theory, she's just wrong. And... Then the family of Deborah Perez, like her um, adoptive sisters, who were the biological daughters of Guy Ward Hendrickson, openly said, she knows what she's doing. She's doing this for profit. They accused her of being a genuine fraud. But which one is it? I vote no for the following reason. Deborah Perez said that 
not only that, she was told a bunch of wild stories. She's the woman who said that she was also the illegitimate daughter of John F. Kennedy. She also said that she was present at at least two of the crime scenes and could hear the gunshots, the Blue Rock Springs shooting and the Stein murder, and that her father stole Paul Stein's glasses and brought them back to the car where Deborah Perez was waiting. And she said that she was in possession of Paul Stein's glasses and she had them DNA tested. And the DNA came back to be negative. If she were a complete fraud, why would she do that? If she were a complete fraud, then she would have known that the DNA would have come back negative. And then it'd be like, well, you know, that's just kind of handing over the evidence that shows that you are not telling the truth. So I think that in her own deranged way, deranged isn't the right word, I think that in her own theoretical way, Deborah Perez had compiled these stories about how all of these events were true, and I vote that she was probably a genuine believer in her theory, but maybe she started using some of the darker parts of her imagination and suddenly connecting dots together that shouldn't have been connected. I absolutely do not think that Guy Ward Hendrickson was the Zodiac Killer. He was in his mid-50s. He didn't live anywhere in the San Francisco area. He was from Orange County. And not only that, I mean, I think that just um, Deborah Perez's credibility is the biggest issue. So, I mean, everything just falls down. And then there are other people that I'm curious about, and I don't know if they're a fraud or not, but there's um, that guy Randy Kenny who brought Louis Myers forward as a Zodiac Killer suspect, and a lot of people began to doubt him because he said that he heard a deathbed confession from his best, from his friend, Louis Myers, who admitted to being the Zodiac Killer. He said that he was a classmate of Betty Lou Jensen, and he worked with Darlene Farron as a busboy in uh, Terry's restaurant where she worked. Or actually, I shouldn't say that, in a restaurant where she worked. Darlene Farron worked at some other places. But then, he said that he heard this deathbed confession and had absolutely no way to know if he was telling the truth or not. Then Randy Kenning was going on all of these TV shows, and he's talking about how he wants to um, write a book and donate the money to uh, the families of the victims because that was the dying wish of Louis Myers. But in one of the video clips, he referred to the material as his intellectual properties. I was suspicious of that. The audience was suspicious of that. Everybody was suspicious of that. They're like, intellectual properties? I mean... You're saying that, but this is evidence in an ongoing murder investigation. I mean, doesn't that just kind of give you room for doubt that someone is trying to cash in in some way? I, know, I, I don't know if um, Randy Kenny ever made a cent off of that. I don't really think that he would have profited too much, but I have doubts. But I want to be very clear about something. The first two people that I cited... Gary Stewart and Dennis Kaufman, I believe that they are genuine frauds, and I believe that the evidence speaks for itself. 
the uh, second two people that I had just listed, those are a little bit more questionable, and I mean, if we're going to call it as we see it, I have my doubts about their credibility, but I think the first two are in the proven category. But if you want to talk about fraudulent behavior, why not bring up Robert Graysmith? That's right. Some people say that he is the grandfather of all Zodiac Killer research, maybe the godfather of all Zodiac Killer research, and all of that is true, except for the fact that he spread a lot of misinformation in his Zodiac book. And it's not just the Zodiac stuff with Graysmith. He does this with nearly every single book that he writes. I challenge you to go find a book review about Robert Graysmith. He talks all about how, I mean, like, the reviewers always just call him out on the same thing. He's taking two ideas that don't belong together and splicing them together. Like, half a sentence is true and half a sentence is false. Some examples of this, perhaps, in the Zodiac Killer mystery would be that he wrote that there was an argument with Darlene Farron in the parking lot of Terry's restaurant on the night that she was murdered at uh, roughly 10.30 p.m., and then it was possible that that person who was in the argument followed her to Blue Rock Springs Park and then committed the homicide, except that that actually occurred at 10.30 a.m. at the parking lot that was you know, cited in the police report, and Darlene Farron wasn't even present. Then there's some other questionable things that he does when he says that David Faraday and Betty Lou Jensen were murdered by a stocky man. And um, if there are no witnesses to the crime scene at Lake Herman Road, I mean, both the victims died, no witnesses who saw the killer, how on earth could he have any description of the person's body type? But if we're going to talk about that, we can't leave one person out of the equation and that is Lyndon Lafferty, who is the author of the Zodiac Killer cover-up, also known as the Silenced Badge. And Lafferty, um, firstly, I have a two-part uh, book discussion on him last year, but to give some very clear um, points, I don't know if you'd call him a fraud. I think that the only fraudulent thing that he did was he wrote a novel. His book is fictitious, but he tried to pass it off is a real Zodiac Killer non-fiction true crime book. Parts of the Zodiac Killer cover-up are openly listed as saying, this chapter contains a certain degree of fiction. And when I uh, talked about this with Mike Rodelli, he even said, how on earth could Lyndon Lafferty have recreated conversations which he wasn't a part of in the past, yet still saying, oh, this is what this person said, this is what that person said. It's a novel. But, I mean, I've said this once on the channel, but I'll say it again. If you look at some of the theoretical statements that have been made by Lafferty, he came up with this idea about how the Zodiac Killer was trying to operate in cycles, that his suspect, William Joseph Grant, committed the Lake Berryessa stabbing on September 27th of 1969, murdering Cecilia Shepard, and that the disappearance of Donna Lass was done to commemorate the one-year anniversary of the Lake Berryessa stabbing. That's why Donna Lass was abducted on September 26th of 1970. And then on October 26th of 1970, 
Nancy Benelak was murdered in San Francisco, so it's the 13-month um, anniversary of Lake Berryessa, 13 months from the Lake Berryessa stabbing, one month from the disappearance of Donald Lass, and that's just it. There's this type of metric that the Zodiac was using, except all of that is false. Donald Lass was not abducted on September 26th of 1970. She was abducted on September 6th of 1970, Nancy Benelak wasn't murdered on October 26th, she was murdered on October 25th. And, I mean, it's not only wrong, it's badly wrong, especially for someone who claims that he was an on-the-grounds investigator who had followed these events for 35 years. So, I don't know exactly what happened. My guess would be, I repeat, my guess would be that he had a co-writer, or some type of ghost writer, who was just putting the info together and overlooked all the dates, or the person, the co-writer, may not have genuinely known that he was making mistakes, or she. But also, the um, there's a, there's even something else that it could be just what I said at the beginning. Lafferty wanted to write a novel to make his story sound more um, hyperbolic, more outrageous, more far out, and just that he tried to pass it off as a true crime book, which would be fraudulent. And I'm fairly certain that his book is garbage. I mean, I read it, and it's filled with inaccurate statements. I don't have any idea what was in his mind or in his heart when he was composing it. But if you'd like to hear more about that, I would invite you to listen to my two-part book discussion on Lyndon Lafferty. I would call him a fraud, because no matter what, he crossed the lines, and he didn't tell people when and how he was doing so. And there's a certain element of deception involved. So, out of that giant little rambling segment, Gary Stewart, Dennis Kaufman, and um, Lyndon Lafferty would fall into that category. But also, I should point out, there is a book called The World According to Jack Torrance that takes uh, Dennis Kaufman's theory and expands it, connecting it to the um, Black Dahlia Avenger, Jimmy Hoffa, and it's utterly ridiculous because they're trying to say that Jack Torrance's handwriting matches the Zodiacs by posting something that has handwriting that looks nothing like the Zodiacs. Very distinct um, circular shapes are found in the R's, or maybe ovular is the rather, rather the correct word. Now, I downloaded a free sample from Kindle, but I confess it's not very impressive. And next I would like to go to an article that was sent to me by Andrew Gray, which is called Police Hunt the Midnight Killer. And it says, no evidence to link two slayings to the Zodiac. And this is um, one that is going to talk about the way that some of these serial killers or motiveless crimes could happen. Berkeley, police believe that they may be looking for a midnight killer who prowls the street out looking for lonely victims for motiveless murders. An intensive investigation was underway by Oakland and Berkeley detectives into the latest slayings. San Francisco police also compared the murders to the East Bay, murders in the East Bay, with the Zodiac Killer, but said that they were, that they had no immediate evidence of a link. James M. Larson, a 21-year-old art student, was shot to death at about 11.30 p.m. Tuesday night on a street near his home. 
within 45 minutes and five miles from the site of Larson's killing, the body of another shooting victim was found. The second victim was Griswold Wilson, age 55, a government worker who was shot and killed while walking his dog near his home in Oakland. Police said that both men were shot with a 38 caliber and the ballistics confirmed it, but the tests are still underway to find out if it was the same gun which was used, the same 38 that is. Detectives said that they have been unable to find a motive for the shootings. Resident near, near the scenes said that they heard shots and found the victims lying in their own blood when they looked outside. Exactly two weeks earlier, two other men were shot by a mysterious gunman under remarkably similar circumstances. On October 27th, Norman R. Wagner, age 31, was shot to death while walking along University Avenue in Berkeley at 11.30 p.m. A half hour later, that night, Albert D. Smith, age 77, was seriously wounded four times by an unknown gunman who fired on foot and then fled. Police said that they have no concrete clues but are working on the strong possibility that the four shootings are related. The other East Bay murders this year that are unexplained involve the August 20th shooting of policeman Ronald Sukamoto, maybe it's pronounced Skamoto, was shot and killed during the night in Berkeley, and on April 24th, Malcolm McGregor, age 44, was shot fatally in Berkeley, California as well. And this serial killer was called the Midnight Killer, and it appears that some people were thinking that there was a Zodiac Killer linked to this, but you might be noticing some immediate differences between the Zodiac and the Midnight Killer, who was um, operating at some similar times, but the Midnight Killer seems to target only men. Did you notice that? All the victims were male. Also, all, there's absolutely no connection to the age range. One victim is 21, one is 77, one was 31, and it doesn't appear that they're going after people who have any type of particular occupation. It just seems that this is more of what you would expect from some type of thrill killer, but I think that the Chinese Zodiac that I was talking about at the beginning would do something like this. Someone who has a little bit more mental instability and someone who is less in control than the Zodiac Killer who operated in the 1960s. I mean, this would be a big mystery itself, who was the Midnight Killer, because we don't really know if this person is walking or driving, but it seems like he is targeting males who are walking by themselves. And I would really be curious if that's done by chance or it's done because of some type of psychopathology. And I say that because, well, what if it's just these are the people he encountered? I was so tempted at first to say that, okay, all the victims are male because this person hates his father and has some type of animosity toward men. Maybe it's a closeted gay man who's going after other gay men because he's killing within his own sexual orientation. All the typical reasons. But I don't know, when you're out walking late at night, maybe you just didn't encounter too many lone females. I'm really not sure. I would definitely think it's the former. I mean, you can weigh in in the comments section down below. What do you think about this midnight killer? Do you think that this is someone who is 
targeting men for a reason, and share your first impressions. I'm sharing my first impressions. But it's absolutely different than the Zodiac. This person, the Midnight Killer, seems way more impulsive. Way more of the type to give in to urges. Everything I'm seeing about the Zodiac Killer is that he is in control. That he's doing the whole cold, methodical, and calculated issue. And he's doing the type of heavily planned, still cowardly, mind you, that would be a commonality between the two of them, that they're both all about sneaking up on people who are defenseless and then getting away. But I think that the fact that the crimes appear to be so motiveless was because they just, um, I guess I kind of jumbled that sentence. The reason why this person didn't get caught is because the crimes were motiveless. I mean, how would you just stop people from walking around late at night? And there doesn't appear to be any clear reason for this, therefore the people can't figure it out. And we were just talking about that on Serial Killers ETA, the podcast that you can download about the Zodiac Killer, a Zodiac Killer Channel production. I mean, that was a theory that was involving Arthur Lee Allen, that he was going to commit a series of motiveless murders, and no one would figure out, figure it out. But with the Zodiac, I think by now we know that the primary motive was to get his name in the paper, to get attention, to manipulate people, like the whole thing. Please wear some nice Zodiac buttons. Okay, if you don't have any nice buttons, can you wear some not-so-nice buttons? Ah, heck with it. Just wear any Zodiac Killer buttons. That, um, that'd be nice. I mean, that's more or less what, um, the, uh, Zodiac seems to be trying to do. He's really all about attention bragging, showing off, taunts, and this person here, the Midnight Killer, seems to be quite to the contrary. This person seems like he actually wants to commit the homicides. He's just doing it in um, a very covert way. He doesn't want to get caught. He doesn't want to brag. He just wants to commit the murders, and um, as you saw there, almost no pattern at all. One of them even had a name of Japanese origin, so it's not only targeting Caucasian males. And what do you think, though, about the Midnight Killer? And, um, Andrew Gray, thank you so much for sharing this with me. Perhaps there could be a future Anything Goes Friday about this one. But, um, that'll be all for me now. One more time, buymeacoffee.com slash blackboxnid88. You can, anybody can write the show at blackboxonlineradio at aol.com. You can also get me on Facebook. My personal Facebook is in the description box. And there is always BlackBoxNed88 on Instagram for the bonus podcast. Until next time.